Hello and welcome to Business Unmuted, a business discussion broadcast live on LinkedIn from Recognition PR's studio and later shared on platforms including YouTube, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. As ever, we're kindly sponsored by Virtue BMW, which is part of Gateshead-based Virtue Motors PLC. If you're in the market for a new, used or fleet vehicle, stop by one of the dealerships in Stockton, Durham, Sunderland, Moulton or York. Today we're joined in the studio by Howard Little, Member Advisor for the Federation of Small Businesses. Joining us remotely is Tony Stein, Chief Executive of Healthcare Management Solutions, which operates care homes around the UK. Figures released yesterday show that employers added a record 241,000 staff to their payrolls last month, taking the total of payrolled employees to 29 million people. This is above the recorded number in February 2020, just before the UK went into its first lockdown. And that wasn't the only record announced. There was one for vacancies as well. Vacancies reached a new high, surpassing one million unfilled roles for the first time since records began in 2001. Records keep coming. This morning, the Office of National Statistics published its inflation report with rates hitting 3.2% in the year to August, the biggest increase since the modern records began in 1997 and driven by higher food prices. Now, I'm sure many people in businesses will be watching today's cabinet reshuffle with a keen eye. And now we're live in the studio at five o'clock at the time I'm speaking. You might be watching a recording later. But at the time we're live, Robert Buckland, Robert Jenrick, Gavin Williamson have all left the cabinet. Michael Gove has moved to the Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government, and he's going to be in charge of levelling up. And Liz Truss has been promoted to Foreign Secretary. From my point of view, it looks like Rishi Sunak is staying as Chancellor, which is a good thing. Let's see what <laughs> our guests have to say. Welcome, Howard. Welcome, Hello. Tony. Tony, Hello. what do you think of Rishi staying as Chancellor and the moves you know about so far? Um, I suppose overall, um, I've not been too unhappy with the government's uh, actions so far. Um, I, I have a very uh, selfish view of the, the world, if you can imagine being uh, immersed in social care sector uh, for the last 20 years. Um, we have been promised some serious reforms in social care for a very, very long time. And I have got huge hopes that this government may do something to address those problems that we've got. Um, we'll probably talk about this, but obviously the increase in national insurance um, came about. And I think there's long overdue some more money into, into health and social care. But my worry here is, is what happens to that money and how it finds its way to the front line. And, and, and I've got some serious concerns about that, it has to be said. OK, we'll drill but down. Cabinet, and... As for a cabinet reshuffle, I think it's, it's a good reshuffle so far. OK, well, we'll drill down to that in a minute. By the way, if you're watching in the northeastern Yorkshire area, of course, the Chancellor is a Yorkshire MP. And I just watch out. I have a feeling. I might be wrong, and if you're watching or recording this, you'll see if I'm right or wrong. I have a feeling that in the next couple of days, Simon Clark, MP for Middlesbrough South and East Cleveland, might enter the government. I hope he will. He's a good, talented guy. And Anne-Marie Trevelyan, who's already in the government, uh, MP for Berwick, she may get a promotion. Let, let's see what happens anyway. We're still speculating it's live. Uh, let's get to Tony's substantive point, though. Last week, we had the announcement of the national insurance rise. It wasn't just national insurance, though, was it? It, it was a, a, a pain spread among... Employers, employees, uh, directors, shareholders uh, and older workers so that there was an age 
there wasn't an age difference in, in who gets, uh, gets the, the charge. Now, we'll talk about how the charge is spent in a minute, but what did you think about the principle of using tax to raise money for health and social care rather than going to uh, an insurance-based system? Oh, well, um, my, my view has always been that as a country, we should adopt a, a specific view of social care in the same way that we've adopted a view around health care, which is there are certain needs that as a, as a first world country and a civilized society, we should meet. Um, and social care needs are, are in that um, whole raft of things that we should, we should be looking to, 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 to deal with. But the issue is we don't have enough money to do that unless we raise taxes. And I'm quite happy with taxes being raised. I wish in a way that we'd been straightforward about this and raised income tax rather than national insurance for lots of different reasons. Um, and my worry is, is that the money needs to be ring fenced, but in a way that ensures that the full benefit of that gets to health and social care. And the way that social care is funded in this country doesn't lend itself easily to that. It's so if you think complex, NHS, isn't it? A man in the street can't understand it. Well, the NHS is funded by central government, but social care is funded through the local authorities. Many local authorities are really struggling, really struggling to meet the demands placed upon them. And what I fear is going to happen is the additional cash will be pushed out through local authorities who will simply dial back on what they were spending in social care before um, with the new money filling that gap and, and using the money elsewhere. So I, I just think it's, it's, it's not really how it's going to work. It's, a good, it's a good in intent, but not necessarily going to be good in, in practice. OK, so we hope that it can work, but it is complex. Um, let's talk about the principle of the cost, because although you deliver at the sharp end, your members, Howard, mm -hmm. are going to have to pay for it before he gets it. What yeah. was your view on the tax and the way in which the government introduced the charges? I think it's it's a bit of a, a, a hurdle for, for small businesses, just another thing that they have to find the money for. And at the moment, they're struggling on a number of different levels. Um, and there's no, you know, there's a, some things have been... Um, stopped uh, and this is now coming in as a as a as another not say levy but it's a, like i said it's an increase in tax um and not only do the the, the you know the small um, business owners have to find that money their employees have to find it as well um and i'm just like and i'm you know like tony just said it's the journey where the journey that that money's going to go on to get to the end product i don't think anybody minds paying that little bit extra you know for hopefully our own futures you know, because we could all end up in that position of needing that money. Um, but it's the journey and making sure it gets to where it's supposed to be. I understand that point of view uh, from from businesses. Mm. Uh, they feel pressed upon when it comes to raising money. And yes, the care dimension of it makes it worthwhile and, 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 and lets the general public feel a little bit better about it. Mm -hmm. Do you think that... Um, the the way the business uh, your your members are at the moment as we emerge at the end of September from the pandemic conditions the government is taking the right pace of removing the uh, the things like business rates furlough and the VAT cuts well, it's I, been done gradually but is it too gradual or is it too fast I think as far as you know in my opinion a lot of the small businesses are, are struggling at the moment some of them haven't some of them have done really well during this pandemic and they're a bit shy about admitting to that mm. but you know there's an awful lot who are struggling and it just seems 
when we're hoping for help and you know uh, to get through this and to come out of this in a in a good place, that this is just another knockback. Um, and yet, like I said, you know, although I think if you talk to people personally, that they're not that bothered about it. But at the moment, it's just another some more money they've got to find to to pay these extra uh, these this extra in, uh, national insurance. Okay, now Tony, both you and Howard's members also have similar. Uh, pressures upon you when it comes to finding staff, paying staff, and the fact that we heard inflation is going up. Let's talk about it in your specific area first, Tony, and then Howard in a more mm. general sense. Tony, what are the specific pressures you're finding as far as recruitment is concerned? Oh, I, this is possibly, I know we're all shroud wavers at times, but this is the worst, worst time I've ever known for recruitment in our sector. Um, and we've got some real specific problems. I mean, in addition to us having the usual problems of recruiting people into social care, which isn't for everybody, um, we've got uh, a number of major factors that influence that. One is it's still a minimum wage occupation largely. And, and I think that we send a very powerful message to people when we pay the minimum wage that they're not valued. And I think that that has a, a, a real impact in our sector. I think we're, we're suffering a lot of burnout at the moment. Uh, the people who work in our care homes, I can tell you now, last year was a nightmare for them. They had to really knuckle down. It's a difficult job anyway, but obviously they were all covering for each other, people going off when they were testing positive, people going off when they were sick. We couldn't bring people into the homes, so people were working extra shifts. It was a really tough year last year. And then when we thought we were coming out of it in January, it got worse with the second wave, and yes. they've had a real battering. And then I think that the government in Scotland, particularly through the implementation of their police investigations into COVID deaths, did nothing but absolutely uh, kill the, the spirit of those people who went through that nightmare journey of, of COVID last year. And then the CQC published their stupid um, uh, 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 list of, of homes that had had COVID deaths and, you know, they're, they're table of of those where you know of, of um of homes that had, had deaths in the in, in the care homes so so you know again it makes people feel guilty you yeah. know that they were in some way responsible for the deaths in the care homes and again who would want to work a minimum wage job and have all of that pressure and guilt and and stress pushed pushed onto them so i think that doesn't help we then had mandatory vaccinations in the sector which you know has has had a major impact on us we're going to lose about four or five percent of our workforce come the 11th of november this is because and you we will have to sack them because they won't be able they won't have the vaccine they won't have the vaccine and to be fair you know i have a lot of sympathy with that you know it, as a matter of principle i think um forcing people to be to be vaccinated is is a is a pretty significant step as a matter of principle and we were working very hard with people to encourage the take of a vaccine mm. and it was working it was a it was a slow slow process but it was working but the fact that they've accelerated it through the mandatory uh, vaccine program means that we're now having to effectively cut a uh, uh, make a cut of uh, uh, the 11th of november and anybody who's not vaccinated we can't employ so again a big issue and then you've got you've got the general problems around the, the the country which i'm sure howard will speak to you know i'm struggling to understand why we've got such a shortage of workers around 
across all sectors, across all industries. People talk about lorry drivers, but actually, you know, supermarket workers, builders, vets, you know, you name it, you can't find people at the moment. It's very interesting. And, and that's putting real pressure on us as well. So, and that can't be Brexit, by the way, because if you look across the pond at America, America have got 10.1 million vacancies at the moment, which on a pro rata basis is worse than we are. Yeah, and, so, and that's, it's also the same with HGV drivers in France and so on. But yeah. the, the, so you don't necessarily agree with the Chambers of Commerce as saying, that the government should act quickly by approving temporary visas for roles in the worst affected sectors. Maybe well, they should. I mean, all, in fairness, in fairness, all that's going to do is it's going to mean that we can fish in, a, in another pond, but that pond also has the same problems. Mm, mm. So it's just spreading the issue out. You know, if, if we were saying that they didn't have this problem in Europe and that the, the issue of us leaving the EU um, was, was the... Was the uh, the, the root of this, then fair enough. But actually, it, the problem is endemic across all of Europe. So it's not going to help. I'm not quite sure what the problem is. Part of us, are, I think, in our sector are hoping that when the furlough ends at the end of September, then people will start to flow back into the workforce and fill some of these gaps. Maybe that's the answer, but I'm not so optimistic. Um, well, Tony, that, that's a helpful insight. It's depressing, unfortunately. And, and I know there's a big t a TV drama on, I think it's Channel 4 coming up, which is being trailed every time you watch the television, which paints a depressing picture as well. It doesn't help. Uh, Howard, let's talk about the more general situation of labour shortages. You know, from the point of view of the economy, it shows it's strong. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the, that's the positive. But what are your members seeing? Is it driving uh, labour costs up as well? Well, they're, they're struggling to get, uh, not everyone, but a lot of people are struggling to get not just staff, but the right skilled staff. Mm. I mean, that's been ongoing for a number of years, you know, skill shortage. But this has just seemed to be bringing it to a real head. Um, and, you know, a lot of them are, are doing without the staff, trying to work, do the jobs themselves, you know, and working almost two jobs within their same business, which is, you know, has like a knock-on effect to their mental health and everything else. So yeah, I mean, it, it runs all the way down the line. And just just going back to the HGV thing, um, there, there were, I saw something just the other day about them re, uh, changing the rules about driving exams, driving tests, to the, where they don't have to do the reversing. And and I'm thinking, that's probably not a good idea. You know? I think, I think, yeah, absolutely, yeah. we don't want to compromise on safety. But there are some log jams in the documentation that, that should be dealt with presumably quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also talk about uh, allowing um, bus drivers, single-decker and double-decker bus drivers to convert straight to HGV2 without a test. But that will, if they move to, you know, driving the HGV lorries, then who's going to be driving the buses? Yeah, so it shifts one, one it shifts problem one to, another. to another, you know. Um, let's talk about inflation. I'll come to you in a minute, Tony, because I know that uh, costs are very important in your game. I uh, had to sign a new contract for a supplier the, the other day and the supplier insisted that for the next three years there is a 6% growth in the price every year on the anniversary. I also signed a contract for my new mobile phone the other day and it was inflation plus 3.9% and a contract for a landline uh, uh, from I think it was BT to be fair it was BT inflation plus 3.9 percent it's as if Ofcom the regulator is allowing these price rises same with energy the mm -hmm. price cap is being <clears throat> allowed up so some of these staple costs and regulated costs 
are being allowed to rise by the government. Now, what's your view on that? Um, why? Yeah. Why, why is it being allowed to happen? You know, let's say you've got all these caps in place to, to keep these things at a, a reasonable level. But you did say you actually signed the contracts because you've got no choice, haven't yeah, you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, yeah. I, I'm not going to yeah. tell people what the contract was for, but it no. was for a service I needed and mm -hmm. therefore I had to do. So you've got no option but to, to take that on. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll all be in the same boat. So I'm going to ask you both a bigger question related <laughs> to inflation. It is a harder question, really. Should the Bank of England grit its teeth and put interest rates up sometime before Christmas to send a signal both to the government and the politicians that may want to inflate their debt away and to the wider markets, people selling houses and so on, that actually we have to get inflation checked? Well, I think you get two answers there, won't you? It'll be yes or no. If people have got money in savings, they'll be saying yes, put it up. And if uh, people are borrowing, they'll be saying no, keep it low. In my opinion, so, yeah. I, I, I think they probably should, personally, but that's a personal view. Tony, what do you, what do you think? Well, what I can absolutely assure you is that if inflation, if interest rates, sorry, uh, are increased, there will, be, there will be business failures in our sector, without a shadow of a doubt, mm -hmm. because although I think the governments have been exceptional in the support that they've given throughout the COVID pandemic so far, um, there are a lot of companies out there that I would describe as walking wounded. You know, the pressures, the, the pressures that people don't see are, for example, in our in our sector, um, the inflation for insurance for mm -hmm. for people operating care homes has been absolutely breathtaking this yeah. last year. I mean, I'm not I'm talking 100 percent increases in premiums and at the same time, they're not giving you the same cover. Um, it's it's been absolutely terrifying, and the the argument I can't understand this. The argument by the insurers in that particular instance was that actually it's to cover them for all the losses that they're going to gain, they're going to get because of coronavirus. But actually, when you ask them, they've not had any claims as a result of coronavirus. Um, that so that it, sounds it, it like really COVID gouging. Due to COVID, that phrase "due to COVID," you get excuses oh. all the time. So due to COVID, mm -hmm. um, what about? Yeah. I mean, this is you've you've said what you said about losses in the sector or da danger to the sector. But you know, you have a, a sector that, as I understand it, I know it quite well, operates on fixed costs. You know, you do contracts with local authorities, and you can't go in the middle of the financial year putting them up, and they're always inflation linked. So you, in the middle of your year, have a higher energy bill, or if you have higher food costs and pressure on, on wages, surely, the, yeah. surely the, the Bank of England getting stuck in to control inflation is the better of two evils. Yeah, I think so. I think you, you've got two, you've, you've actually got two distinct parts to our sector. You've got those who supply the private part of the market and you've got those who supply the local authority funded part of the market for social care. Those who are supplying the private part of the market, they can inflate their fees by whatever they choose. You know, so they could, if, they, if their inflation rates run at 6%, then they put fees up by 6%. We're reliant on the local authority fees, and the local authority fees have been averaging increases of around two and a half, three and a half percent, roughly, over the last few years, depending on which local authority area you're in. So, you know, when we're seeing payroll inflation, you know, as we're seeing, and and that's been horrendous, by the way. It's not just minimum wage increases; we're having to put them way beyond minimum wage to recruit. Uh, nurse pay is obviously going up, but again, not just the 3% the government are offering in our sector. We're having to pay a lot more than that to attract nurses because they're in short supply. 
Um, so, you know, I think the margins are getting squeezed tighter and tighter. My point is, is that those businesses that have been struggling for years, um, where the margins have been squeezed every single year and have got debt, and if that debt starts to cost them more, then I think that could be the death knell to a lot of our of our businesses out there. You know, a lot of care home businesses. So I think the government's got to be very treading a very careful line on this. Um, if that money that is being raised through national insurance finds its way through into social care, and that does work its way into proper properly funded care, then actually we may survive. But if we don't, and we see interest rates rise, then there will be business failures without a shadow of a doubt. Okay, point well made. Howard, now I know you, you, you've got a view from the Federation of Small Business. What's your personal view? If you were actually on the Bank of England Monetary Policy Committee, and I was, I would vote for a small 0.25 or 0.5% rise in interest rates now. Why would you vote? Well, I think it's, it's been really, really low for such a long time. And I mean, it, let's face it, it can't get any lower, really. Mm. Um, so an awful lot of people who have got money in savings and they have had no benefit of it mm. uh, for, at all. So yeah, maybe it is about time it was just maybe lifted a little bit. I hear that yeah. sentiment a lot these yeah. days. I, I think it will end up being lifted mm. soon, but there we are. Well, look, gents, thank you for a stimulating conversation. I do appreciate uh, Howard, you coming in and sparing me the time, Tony. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, it's unsung work, the work of people who run these care homes, and uh, hopefully the change that was made last week will filter down to you. Fingers crossed. Thank you both very much. Join us for another episode of Business Unmuted, 5 o'clock next Wednesday.